0: Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode and asking first what it teaches us about God and second how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us.
1: values us so highly that he comes himself he didn't send an angel he didn't send another prophet another elijah he didn't send another moses but he comes himself
2: then my response is not wow aren't i valuable and amazing my response is i'm so grateful that god would pay so much
0: for me Hello and welcome back together once again with my friends Mark and Rachel. Hello. Hello. Hi, there. Hi guys. We are into verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 1. We're looking today at redemption through his blood and it's such an important moment in the chapter because up until this point we have just been looking at the incredible nature of God's glorious grace. But today we're going to realize why that grace was required. And so that tees us up for fascinating conversation as we go ahead. Before we get there, as ever, we're going to read the verses that this phrase is situated in because context is so important and it stops us ending up in ruin. So Mark, could you read to us some of the verses around the phrase we're looking at today in Ephesians chapter 1?
1: Okay, so we're going to read using the NIV 1984 version. (laughs) (laughs) If you listened to last week, you'd understand that. And we're going to start at verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. great. and so up until this point
0: we've had promises and statements about how we've been chosen before the creation of the world we're going to be holy and blameless we're going to be adopted and now suddenly in verse 7 we we come upon a problem we need redeeming. and That's a really important point to land on. It shows us a lot about the grace of God. But I'm not convinced that we necessarily know what redeeming means. The last time I did redeeming was in Cafe Nero. Uh, Other coffee shops do exist. I gave them a piece of cardboard with some ink on and they gave me a free coffee. Uh, I redeemed my voucher for free coffee. But I get the feeling that this probably isn't what Paul is getting at in Ephesians chapter 1 about redemption. He, He didn't trade in a piece of cardboard for to liberate uh, a cup of coffee.
2: Like a Christian punch card.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So so what does it mean? What is redemption? What's Paul getting at?
1: Yeah, we see, I think, throughout the whole of Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, the whole concept of redeeming. Uh, Sometimes that was involved in redeeming the right to marry someone. So we have the whole Boaz and Ruth situation um, where it actually exchanged on a slipper, which was quite interesting. But here, the context is far more military, I, in my opinion. So, this is where there's been conquest, where there has been uh, people taken into slavery, and that so therefore there is a redeeming of people who are uh, in perhaps another nation, who have been captive by a, 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 a foreign force and are now being brought back into uh, the nation, uh, but actually a, a redemption has to be paid, an exchange of something. And obviously we can think in terms of exchange of money uh, and a price has to be set, and then that person brought back. Okay. Um, and But what we see is it's redemption through his
0: blood. So it's not that there was a financial price to be paid to to redeem us it there was a blood price to be paid mm. death was involved um, i was remarking that it's quite fun sometimes when you read paul because he likes to say the same things in different ways in different letters and what's really helped me understand this verse is sort of the parallel verse in colossians 1 uh, 13 and 14 it says for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It, that paints that picture that Mark's talking about of there's a dominion of darkness, there's a dark kingdom, and that's where we were. But through the blood of Jesus, we have been taken from that dark kingdom into the kingdom of Jesus, into the kingdom of God. And that's now where we reside. We have been redeemed. You know, I did not give a valuable piece of cardboard to an evil barista to liberate my coffee <laughs> from the dominion of darkness. It's just lost there slightly, but... The military picture of, you know, the enemy had captured us and we were redeemed and brought back into the kingdom of the one he loves is so helpful. And there's more than just evil had got us. There's other types of slavery talked about, too, aren't there, that we're redeemed from. Anybody want to comment on those or have you've no idea where I'm going? Uh, I'm going to sin. We were slaves to sin, says Paul, Romans chapter six. You two are slaves to sin. And so we're redeemed, not just from being in a kingdom of darkness. It's not like we were pure and innocent and captured and kept in a cage. Uh, although there was that dynamic of us being trapped and captive. Also, we were slaves to sin. Sin was running us. He was our master, and that's the picture of of Romans six, isn't it? The 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 abusive master that Paul talks about through Romans six and seven, uh, before the liberation of Romans eight. Yeah. We needed redeeming from being captive to sin and evil and darkness and. That's not something you hear about a lot, is it, in in the 21st century?
1: I think we have seen, even Jesus tells the the parable of the son and the father who has the vineyard uh, and uh, how the father had sent emissaries and he'd sent ambassadors, uh, but they all were killed and, 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 and nothing was changed. And... I think it's in in one of the Christmas songs, isn't it? It talks about the highest that heaven affords. Christ, the highest heaven affords. Heart the herald angels sing. And I'm always gripped by that, that God Himself comes in Jesus Christ. So, what this tells us about God is that He values us so highly that he comes himself, he didn't send an angel, he didn't send another prophet, another Elijah, he didn't send another Moses, but he comes himself. And so we who were in slavery to sin and to the devil, um, we were not free agents, we could not choose our way of living. He, in his love, pays this extraordinary price um by coming and it is in his blood the the very death i should die he dies for me he the very sin that i have is put upon him him who is holy receives my sin upon himself it's it's propitiated is the word that we 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 use he was substituted For us, what we should have got, the judgment, the punishment, the wrath that we should have got is placed upon him and the agony of all of that and the separation from Father and actually dying, actually to that point where he goes over the cliff and says, into your hands, I commit my spirit, Father, life is gone, is an extraordinary price to pay for us who didn't want him who had actually deliberately rebelled from him. There was nothing in me that was reaching out to God. And yet he did that.
2: Yes. And when we're talking about, you know, we're, we're focusing on sort of what we see about God's character in this. Yes. What does this tell us about God? And I find it really interesting how easily we can ascribe to him that he's resentful about it. Like he didn't come and be like, oh man, you guys made such a mess. Now <laughs> I'm going to have to come and clear. You know, sometimes, you know, if you have a, a child who you break something you're like eh, now i'm gonna i'll pay the cost but i am not happy about paying the cost for this thing and you're going to have to pay it back another way and this sense of of a parental resentment of the mess that you've made that he has to come clean is not the the heart of god there's a a generousness and a willingness to come and pay what is required to redeem yes. because of what is redeemed is so valuable to him and i think i i am constantly brought up in am i am i making am i viewing god in a way that it's like i kicked him in the shins and now he has to do it because of what jesus did or am i really truly seeing the the heart of god who runs toward me to redeem me
1: yes and the answer is yes isn't Mm. that wonderful
2: yeah
1: unabashed running towards us Mm.
2: it's a price he was willing and ready to pay Uh, not that he felt pulled from him because he had
1: to and we must never see Gethsemane in the light of the struggle being are these worth it Mm. because you can but the struggle was real that was not some kind of uh, act some kind of display but when Jesus says you know I am sorrowful unto death That is a frightening statement, but it was the enormity in his humanity of facing what he was about to face in so many uh, levels that I don't think we can really unpack it or even understand the multiple levels that Jesus went through and experienced, not just on the human level, which was painful enough. But on the emotional and spiritual level of all that that that, that entails because of us. And of course, the only thing I contribute to this is my willfulness to get myself enslaved under sin. That's what I contribute, and this is pure grace. This is, this is, the, the, you know. I think we said in an earlier session, you know, when we when we look at grace, it, it, it is the outworking of, of perfect love, mm. you know. And this is, pro- and the cross is the greatest expression of that perfect love of perfect grace. Mm.
0: Yeah, gets is them, fascinating, isn't it? Because it's the great picture of how little the disciples actually contribute. I mean, Jesus would be totally forgiven for going. I'm about to go through all of this, and you can't even stay away and <laughs> pray with me for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> like you've been falling, you don't just do it once; you do it yes. twice. Yes. Like what am I doing here? Yes. And there, it's this great picture of the futility of our situations. Mm. So we could do nothing if it wasn't yeah. for him. Yeah, like God Absolutely. looks at our situation, He goes, "No, they can't do anything," no. uh, and it isn't. So we were having an interesting mm. little ding dong before this. This um, before we started recording of about the value, because God says we are incredibly valuable and we live in a world, <clears throat> I was quoting L'Oreal, you're worth it. <laughs> you know, I, I used, in a previous life, did a lot of youth work and you talk about how we're unique and special and there's this, which you are using the word, this sort of self-esteem movement that says, no, you're so valuable. And that isn't the message here. The message here is God has chosen to bring an incredibly high price that you weren't deserving of. Mm. and that that's really important isn't it it's not jesus has sat there and he's gone right it's going to cost me all of this and i'm going to look at them and i'm going to go oh yeah that that's what they're worth that that isn't the calculation he's making he goes this is what i'm going to pay and he looks at them and they're not worth anywhere near that but because of his pleasure and will uh, because of his freely given glorious grace he chooses to pay it over and above what we could possibly be worth on our own. Yes. Um, Mark used the word ascribing a value to us. It's a subjective value, not an objective value. Mm. Is that representing the conversation we Absolutely. Yes.
2: Yes. I think that's that's what's so encouraging to me is is that he was willing to pay what I was not worth on my own. And that that then my response is not. Wow, aren't I valuable and amazing? My response is, I am so grateful that God would pay so much for me. Yes. And I think yes. that it positions my heart in a different place. Uh, because I love I love what you were saying about how God knew that we couldn't do it on our own. I love that while Jesus is going through the process of the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And that just sense of, of him being able to walk through pain and also... Forgive and pour grace in the midst of people still swimming in the sin is just remarkable to me. Of of him valuing even those who were part of the persecution is
0: shocking. So we've got two things, haven't we, that we've been identifying so far that this shows us about God. Firstly, that he places an unimaginably high value on each human life on on us and and on those who don't know him yet Mm. but this perhaps come on to it this affects how we see other human beings god places an incredibly high value on he's held nothing back from us Mm. but also that part of his identity is that he is the liberator so we were touching on that earlier in terms of the the liberation god has brought redemption liberates us from the kingdom of dark dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his son there's he is the liberator it's the picture of the exodus isn't it mm. he's the one who rescues them moses doesn't do it everything moses does is stuff he couldn't do god does it all. Oh, they get trapped by a sea after moses gets them out <laughs> god has to get them through that um you know moses can't even talk he says god is the liberator he's the and so therefore he's more powerful than evil mm. Wonderful. what does this tell us about god he places a high value on us. more powerful yes. than evil mm. in his liberation of us and that is two really key, key fundamental components of the Christian faith mm. for us to get our, our heads and our hearts around. Wonderful. Any other comments on what redemption shows us about God before we move to halftime oranges? Then I think we need to play a different tune because today Mark is leading oh, us in halftime oranges
1: okay let's let's go let's uh, let's see a uh, party cracker time the yes. uh, crackers are gonna be pulled the little <laughs> bit of paper is gonna flutter down and there's gonna be one of those jokes in it so today's <laughs> halftime oranges is come on guys what is your favorite childhood <laughs> joke Yes. yes. <laughs> let's go for it
2: <laughs> okay I'm gonna share the joke that my kids. Sh- said for the first time that actually made me genuinely spontaneously laugh out loud and so it's this are you ready what did the green grape say to the purple grape i don't know breathe breathe. <laughs>
1: high quality
2: thank you you. I was so impressed
1: okay so for Mr Adam Price Mr Competitive how are we gonna go (laughs) just just moving up up. just
0: moving up it's a it's a knock knock joke so I I need need some assistance I'm ready I'm ready Uh, who's 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 joining Rachel I will join I will join knock knock
2: who's there IMAP IMAP who
1: (laughs) you're a poo that's right, so a really kid's joke that really is <laughs> scores high on children's values it's <laughs> my kid's favourite <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> which can be done to a kid by going knock knock who's there you're oh, up
2: uh, oh I see And they try your and do poop. it back
0: right, you can turn it round
2: oh, wow it's it's versatile it's versatile that's that's impressive
1: wow <sighs> there we go catch up calm down (laughs) nothing
0: like a bit of light relief in the middle of an intense theological conversation Mark thank you so much that has brought joy to the room and if your Christmas crackers fail you for good jokes this Christmas we've just provided two much better ones for you don't forget Uh, if you've got a great kids joke podcast at (laughs) hopeharrogate.co.uk we'd love to hear it for the new year right part two So we've looked at what does redemption through his blood teach us about God. Now the question is, how do we live with that understanding of grace in our everyday lives? How does it affect how we go into the various spheres of influence that we have? Um, We've kind of brushed against a few of them already, haven't we? Rachel, you're talking about, you know, you're just so thankful, so grateful that, that God would do that. There's... Like when you understand just this phrase, you go, is it any wonder that Paul is gushing with worship uh, as a result of this? Um, But what other Mm -hmm. impacts are there on the way that we live our everyday lives?
1: So I think we sort of tripped over a little bit in the first session when we had the thought that we were under the dominion of someone else. Because aren't I the free being? Aren't I my own God would be the Mm -hmm. culture that we live in? Uh, And the very thought that I am a puppet of Satan uh, is offensive to the human mind uh, and the human will. Uh, But you cannot escape that uh, in Scripture. We could not help ourselves, was the phrase we used earlier. Um, You are of your father, the devil, Jesus said very clearly. So we, we carry that. So we've been redeemed. So interestingly, God has paid this price and by his grace, we come into that. But actually that then raises an issue that I belong to God. And we haven't touched on this in all that we've spoken so far, but this does raise the issue of his lordship. And we've talked a lot about God's benevolence, about God's love and God's passion for us. And so when we use the word lordship, There cannot be a scintilla of fear in that because perfect love casts out fear. But actually we've come into something that is quite uh, extraordinary in the sense that I do belong to him and wonderfully I belong to him eternally. This cannot be undone. My salvation is utterly secure. But now I've come into something that may equally chafe Against my culture that I live in, and and the way that I think that actually no, He is is Lord, and so what does life with God as Lord look
0: like? Is the obvious question. Let's spell that out to an extra degree okay. in terms of what it means
1: in everyday life. So so we look at at uh, Jesus saying, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." Now that isn't a parent who's saying. I need your response. If you love me, you wouldn't have done that, you know, a husband to a wife. Well, if you love me, you know, it's not like that. What Jesus is saying, though, is if my love has filled you, if you are in love with me, the keeping of my commandments will just flow out of that devotion of your heart towards me. And at the end of John 14, uh, Jesus says, I have obeyed your commands so that the world will know that I love the Father. And so we don't lose the love element. But God is God. God is the awesome God. And he has the right to lay out the way that we should relate to him and we live with him. Now, that doesn't mean he's controlling. He is in command, but he's not controlling. We still have that free will because as soon as we move off the base of the freedom to choose to obey we've lost the aspect of love and we can never lose the aspect of love but it does mean that i recognize god that i'm going to line up with what you say both about me about the us and about how i am to live so it has a direct impact if you love me You will obey my commands. Mm. Oh yes, okay. It's that dynamic. So that's that's that so it becomes very much the the pole star for my life, is what he says.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think it's some interesting about this lordship thing, is that is it is it a is it a a demanding God who says, Well haha, I've now you're you're just a slave to me now. That sort of (laughs) sense of you were slave to to evil and now I've purchased you to be my slave and that that sense of a completely different kingdom that we enter into a kingdom of, of freedom and love and a culture that we want to vibrate with and I think this whole sense of being one with the father and everything we talked about through adoption there is a family culture that we love to embrace as a family you know there's Christmas this year my kid has lived in my Christmas world. And this year he has taken Christmas and just turned it. Like he came down and he was wearing like two hats, a jumper. Like he has has been like, if you were trying to eat at our table without a Christmas hat, without Christmas music playing and hot chocolate, then what are we even doing in life anymore? (laughs) And so he has, he has taken it and he has so embraced our family culture that he has now, he is now vibrating with the culture that we've been surrounding him with. And I think that's the process of, of living in a kingdom, living, living in, you know, Lord God's kingdom is that we we are so transformed by him that we then exude the values, the obedience, the, the following, that it it is a part of becoming and belonging out of which we act, not out of the, the orders of, of the king. Because I think when the orders of the king, when we know him so well, the orders of the king are just an expression of his heart and I want to be a part of that and I want to be a part of everything that he says and therefore obedience is a joy and not a task.
0: Mm -hmm. And this is where context again is really helpful. You know, we're we're rooting the phrase every time in in the section of Ephesians 1 but Ephesians 1 is part of a longer letter and Paul, he explains what's gone on through the first few chapters and then he gets incredibly practical in chapters 4, 5 and 6 through Ephesians and you might want to uh, read them for yourself because we can't read them all the way through now. But, you know, he covers things like unity and maturity and getting rid of the old and bringing in the new. He, You know, Ephesians finishes with actually you need to be positioned to fight because we're still in this. There's still a war going on that you're still in the midst of. Um, And I guess you could summarise, you could pick various verses to summarise, but what what we're talking about here in terms of what does living under the lordship of God look like is perhaps summarised best in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's redemption again in the middle. It's the imitating of The one who leads the kingdom you're now in. It's the the family analogy again. Be like your dad. Copy your perfect father. Uh, I love it. Vibrate with the culture of the place you're now in, Rachel. I mean, I'm loving that idea. Yeah, it just causes me, it resonates through me. It now spills out of me as a result of what has happened that Paul's spending three chapters talking about. This is now how it will ground out in my life. I will live like Jesus showed me um, and I will look like him. I will imitate him. I think that's that's a, a really important outworking of the idea of grace. What do we say right back at the beginning? Grace isn't just for salvation, it's for, for the whole of life. Yeah. I did it wrong, didn't I? Grace is for life, not just salvation. And, uh, it isn't just for Christmas. Exactly. And so there's, you know, grace is for life. Grace enables us to imitate Jesus, mm-hmm. to, to be like the Father, to, to live under the culture of this new kingdom that we've been brought into.
2: Can I ask a question? Always. It, this may take us in a different direction. I was really struck. You said the word fear, and I think there is a phrase in Scripture called the fear of the Lord. Yes. And particularly when we're talking about the Lordship, I'd be really interested, Adam, for you to expound <laughs> on, on what, what your interpretation then of the fear of the Lord is. What, is. what is that right fearing of the Lord when we're in this culture of grace and love? What does that look like?
0: I think I would look more at reverence than fear. So I think there's a problem with the word fear, isn't there? Which is it's the cartoon picture of someone leaping in the air, eyes bulging out and then running away. Like that's, that's the picture of, of fear. We, ah! uh, or, or someone cowering in the corner. But those aren't the only types of, of fear. And I think, you know, in, in our part of the church world, we have rejected Many of the reverential practices perhaps of our, our fathers and mothers, uh, many of which because they just become dead ritual. But in that we have lost something that is being recovered. I think again in, in in this day of the reverence of God. Like Jesus is my friend and he is my brother, but he's also the one who lives in unapproachable light. He's immortal, invisible. And, uh, and there's this this twin thing going on of yes God is near that's miraculous he's Emmanuel but he's also the one seated on the throne who right now is sustaining everything and you go whoa I don't want to mess around here this is serious and I think that would be more the way I would understand fear of the Lord rather than oh, I'm scared of what God's going to do now I know what he's going to do and just wow well, I'm in awe of him and uh, this this matters this is serious not to be taken lightly. That would be, I guess, how I would understand the fear of God as I was reading scripture.
1: I love the example of John, the John who loves Jesus, the John who is so close to Jesus that he lays on his breast at dinner. That's close. I don't think, apart from my father, I have ever laid on another man's chest, Um, but that is utterly close and intimate. And yet, in the revelation of God that he has at the beginning of Revelation, he falls down as one who's dead. And, and I love that because I think it is, it's is—it's not that these are intention, but they are the same thing. The, 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 the intimacy with Jesus is the same as that which makes me fall down as one who is dead. And I think both. It's it's not one or it it, it is both. He is God, the uncreated one, and uh, so that's where I think the reverential thing is excellent, well done. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's right. And and that works out
0: often in worship, doesn't it? So uh, I love a good jump around in worship as much as the next person. That's right, and it you know David danced with all his might before the Lord, but then. You know, they dedicate the temple and the presence of God falls yes. and everyone's on their face. They can't do a thing. And there are moments in worship where that you know, that utter, almost paralysis of reverence comes upon us. We pray on a Tuesday morning. We yes. record on Wednesday. Yesterday we were worshipping in our Tuesday morning prayer. i mean about 40 minutes in. I just threw the agenda out the window. I'm like, God's here. Yes. And, and I don't want to bring my agenda to bear because he, he's here and god's always with us absolutely you know we're temples of the spirit there just sometimes you're like man he's here and i just want to stay in awe and it that's i think the much more helpful picture of the fear of the lord than trembling as you walk up a mountain because you don't know what god will do
2: i think that's a beautiful uh- expression of living in the kingdom that we if we if we try to reduce the awe of god in favor of the friend the buddy jesus then that reduces god to who i can fit in my pocket jesus becomes my sidekick as opposed to the the, the king the god that i adore that i am i get to be a small part of his enormous plans for this world and that that sense of being loved and a friend of someone who is unimaginable is the power of living in the kingdom
0: yes yes it's not my own personal jesus Mm. i think this wrestles his back from that individualistic view again doesn't it Mm. um, so helpful so we've we've covered some ground there in terms of the fear of god in terms of worship as always in terms of living under the lordship of god and, and imitating him i think unless anyone else has got any points they're dying to make before we conclude the second half, it'd be good to pray. Uh, I think it's Rachel's turn to pray for us as we come into have land today. I the I, I don't pray, ever. I want you to
2: pray at the end, because I don't feel like you've prayed at the end of one. Well, you see and the, I love your prayers.
0: Well, you see, the thing is, what I have to do is attempt to summarise crazy conversation and that's why I throw it back out to you guys. Fine. Because my brain fried and I need a moment to be blessed as Fine. you pray.
2: I'll pray for I'll you pray now. in a
0: future episode for you, actually. Okay.
2: Oh God. <laughs> oh, I just I love you so much, God. Mm. I I love that I can feel so small and aware of my fragility in the face of your lordship, and yet also feel totally valued, accepted and close. That is a, a wonderful and beautiful thing, that I may be your child, I may be in your kingdom, I may be your family, and yet you may be unimaginable to me. Wow. Thank you, God. Yes. God, I pray that you would yes. teach us how to walk in your lordship. Wonderful. I thank you that you paid a, a price beyond anything that we could ever be worth on our own. Thank you. I uh, am so blessed. Thank you. To be loved by you. Yes. Thank you, God, for walking all the way down, for coming yourself, for claiming us out of where we were and accepting us into your wonderful love. Teach us how to walk and flourish and serve and be alongside you as we minister and live in your kingdom.
0: In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Amen wonderful
0: friends that's another very enjoyable and enriching discussion about how uh, redemption through his blood uh, reveals more of god's glorious grace to us and it's not just a a head thing but works out in our lives too thank you so much next week we move on to the phrase the forgiveness of sins so you know another light week after redemption Uh, We're looking forward to that. Thank you for being with us today. If you've listened this far, uh, we would love for you to join us again. Why don't you hit subscribe so it gets automatically downloaded to your device of interest. If you have enjoyed this, why don't you send it on to someone else that you think might enjoy it. We uh, are greatly enjoying this and we're hearing many good stories back. We we hope it could help many people uh, understand the grace of God more deeply. What really helps us with visibility is if you give us a review, preferably five stars, but, you know, whatever you think we're deserving of. God thinks we're deserving of five stars. That's all I'm saying.
2: (laughs) Yeah, do you really want to go against Jesus on that?
0: (laughs) Uh, And please do join us again next week as we look at God's glorious grace in Ephesians chapter one. Bye. Bye. Bye.